We're going to continue forward with Prison Break Part 4. Have y'all been learning anything? Have you been getting free? You've been learning how to walk in this stuff? Prison Break 1 was about the invisible cage that you build around yourself. Amen. Do you remember that? You remember how we talked about how a lion is in a cage, and after it's been in there for a certain season, certain things begin to happen to it. It begins to lose the ability to walk its territory. It begins uh, to lose the ability to see. Its eyesight is so strong it can see in the dark. So you lose the ability to see in the dark places. Uh, All those things begin to happen. His mobility goes down. His physical appearance goes down. But the truth is, is even in the cage, he's still a lion, right? So even on your worst day, no matter if you think you saved or not, you're still a lion. You're still what God called you to be. You just haven't realized it yet. Amen? That was number one. Number two was what? Do you remember? Free from you. Right? You got, um, where y'all at? Where's the coffee? Y'all got to get free from you. You and your own insecurities, your own issues, your own problems. You know you better than anybody else. And you pray for somebody else. You give to somebody else. You'd help somebody else, but you can't help yourself. Because you know your problem. And you look in the mirror and you don't see what God sees. You see your flaws. And you got to get free from you because you have to learn to see yourself the way God sees you. Right? The, second, the third one was free from they. Everybody got a they. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Everybody got that person. And if you, ain't, if you tell me, Pastor, I ain't got that person, you that person for somebody. <laughs> you crazy or an outhouse rat. You causing somebody problems. But the truth is, is they hold more power over you than you have over you because you listen to what they have to say. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things are based on they. It's based on being approval addicted. It's being based on being uh, uh, somebody liked my picture and then I'm upset because nobody likes it. That's ridiculous when 20 years ago nobody even knew what you looked like. And, 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 if, and let me just set you all free. If, if, you, if somebody could hit a button and unfriend you, they wasn't your friend. Let's, let's get clear on this stuff. It is literally something simple in your life that has become so big. Now today we're going to talk about part four, free from it. Amen. Y'all don't want to talk about it. Everybody got it. Everybody got it. Whatever it is, you got it. Everybody got it in their life. You may have figured out who that person is, and you may have been able to get free from them, but there's still something on the inside of your heart that always gets you every single time. And that's it. For everybody, it's different. I don't know what your issue is. I know what mine is. And let me just go ahead and help you. Y'all heard me say this all the time. If you're home, if you're home folks, you know this. If you, if you ain't part of Alan's, uh, if you can't help Alan get free, you can't help Alan know his problem. You don't deserve it. Amen? Y'all need to learn that. Y'all be telling people all kind of stuff. You, you get on Facebook, girl, he didn't come home again last night. Well, you just gave whoever he going to power. Knowing he, I mean, come on, you, you, you're letting things happen. And the truth is you have been given power over the enemy. You've given authority through the blood of Jesus. The problem is, is we don't walk in miracle working power because we don't see ourselves as able. Because we know our flaws, we know who they are, and now we know what it is. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. For me, I'll just be straight. <laughs> y'all, y'all don't get to know those problems. For me, it's music. It is my, my, you, for me, it's music because, because I was a professional musician. Because I was two weeks away from a record deal. Because I was about to go on tour with the Black Crows. Because all of these things were about to happen and I wasn't even 21 years old yet. I had attained my goal before I even got old enough to drink. Now that don't, that's not saying I wasn't drinking. Get saved. But I, don't nod your head so profusely. <laughs> She's like, he was crazy, y'all. Um, but because I had attained all that, that had such a stronghold in my life. And I've had to learn how to deal with it. So when my friends call 
And, you know, not too long ago, I've told y'all this story, but not too long ago when Bon Jovi was in town and Sweet Tea Trio was the opener, my friend is their drummer. And we had free access. He, he had an all-access pass for me to come in and do anything I wanted to do in backstage, play on the drum sets, do anything I wanted to do. And I turned him down because I know what it is in my life. I know that would begin to pull me in a direction that wasn't what God called me to. And so sometimes you have to supersede it with him. Matter of fact, all the time you have to supersede it with him. Whatever it is for you, you have to learn to hear him first. Because you don't just fall into it. You thought about it before you got there. Well, you know, I, he, you know I, I, I cheated on my spouse. You thought about it for months before you got there. But you didn't go to him to deal with it. Are y'all with me? I better give y'all some scripture. Y'all think I'm just ranting. Here we go. Go to Psalms 142. Y'all okay this morning? Psalms 142 verse 7. I'm reading the King James and I'm going to go to the message one, okay? All right, King James says, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. And thy righteous shall com uh, uh, compass uh, me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now, remember this scripture. We talked about this two weeks ago, and I want to I deal with this again. Now, the message translation says it this way. Now, if you don't have a message, look up on the screen. Get me out of this dungeon so, so you can do what? So I can thank you in public. Your people will form a circle around me, and you'll bring me showers of blessing. Sadly, this is the model of the local church, but this is not the action of the local church. You're supposed to be able to come in here, and with whatever it is, hit this altar or find somebody and begin to get whatever you need to get to try to get free, and the church is supposed to come around you and love you. See, we've turned this thing into denominations, and I'm this, and I'm that. I'm a Christian, y'all, and that's where we're supposed to be. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Pentecostal guy. I'm a Baptist guy. Let's, let's, let's stick to what we agree on. What we agree on is Jesus set us free. So we have to get over into that first. Let's quit talking about what we disagree on. And the truth is, what, what I would like to see the church agree on is if somebody comes in hurting, we're here to help. The church's altars are empty today. You know why mega churches have been built? Do you know why? Well, now they're super mega churches. You know why it's easy to have 20,000 people? People are anonymous. You don't see altars being filled in churches. When I got saved, the night that I got saved in that, in that revival, I'd never been to a Pentecostal church before. I thought they was all crazy. Half of them still are. I still know some of them. Let me just tell you all something. I say this a lot, but I want you all to hear it again. You know what I'm about to say. He's He's smiling. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you become weird, you were weird before. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. His job is to set people free. Now, there are aspects of that that are not being taught very well. So I was in this Pentecostal church, and I'd never been anything like that before, but yet I got set free. I got absolutely set free in that place. And, and what happened was the people that were about to surround me were the people that were about to drag me out because I was acting a fool. But the preacher, Perry Stone, was like, Leave him in here. And I ain't got time to tell the whole story. But I was set free because I was willing to hear him over it. Because it was trying to pull me out of that situation. It was the old Alan trying to say, no, you don't need this. It was trying to say, you grew up in a Baptist church. Why are you in this Pentecostal church? It will talk to you. Amen. It's got a voice. So what you got to understand is when it says, get me out of this dungeon, you have to be willing to take the help you get. 
But this should be the help you get. Get me out of this dungeon so I can thank you in public. And so I can be surrounded by people who love me and are like-minded and love you. And together we come up out of this stuff. See, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. I grew up on Dauphin Island and spent a lot of my life on shrimp boats and fishing boats and floundering boats and all those kind of things. And the truth is this. If you're trying to make money, if you're not a smart captain, and a lot of them aren't because they're all high, praise the Lord. The water and the tide begins to go out and your boat gets stuck. And you're out there, you're, you're, you're just stuck. And you can't, you can't dredge, you can't move, you can't, you, can't, you can't do anything. But when the tide comes back in, if one boat rises, they should all rise. And that is how the church is designed to work. That it's not about you or your blessing. It is about the blessing of God flowing through a group of people to bring everybody up. Because the truth is, what we've done is we've created church issues, and I've got a problem with this church because of this, and I've got a problem with this church because of that. And let me just tell you, you, you won't find but about three videos of me on, on YouTube before you find a good problem with me. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you it's true. But the thing is, you're not here to like me. You're here to love him. And I should love him, and we should love him together, and people should be set free from it. Amen? All right, y'all looking at me like cows looking at a new gate. Let's keep moving. You have to learn to protect your heart. Proverbs 4 and 23. Y'all have all heard this scripture before. Proverbs 4 and 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now the New Living Translation. Why do we have the New Living back there? NLT. The New Living Translation says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The NIV says this. Above all else, Guard your heart because everything you do flows from your heart. So when we talk about it, and you're going to see people easing out today. There's a lot of graduations, so just, just we'll, be, we'll be graceful. Amen. But the truth is, when it begins to talk to you, it starts in your heart. Amen. It starts attacking the very essence of your freedom. It starts hitting you in the place. And let me tell you something. I'm a big believer in spiritual warfare, but I think what we've made spiritual warfare into is false in how we teach it. I believe people are in spiritual warfare way before they ever get to demonic activity. And, and the truth is, when you get up, and I'm going I'm to make it real simple, when you get up and move into your day, and anything in your life that is trying to pull you away from, he, well, from what he is saying for you today is spiritual warfare. Because the enemy is not designed to destroy you. I know he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy a relationship. Because if he can get your relationship, he has you. Because the truth is this. You live in a situation every day where you're surrounded by people who have voices. And those voices have influence. And you have to learn which voice to listen to. In the garden, there were three voices outside of God's. There was Adam's, there was Eve's, and there was a snake. When you're listening to the third voice, you're listening to the wrong voice. Amen. We always have to go back. April and I always have to go back when something's going on with the ministry or, or we're making decisions. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we listening to? Are we listening to the pressure of money? Because it's not easy to run a ministry. It's, it's really not financially. It's, it's tough. And you don't want to beat people up for offerings every Sunday. That's a ridiculous way to do things. And, and then you get over into, you know, trying to do things for people, and then it becomes taxing on your body, and it becomes taxing on your finances. And every time you tell your church people yes, you're telling your kids no. 
there's a balance that we have to find, and it took us a long time to find it. I'll be honest with you. It took our team. Now, a lot of y'all weren't here then, but it took, uh, and I just named y'all. I'm going to name names, praise the Lord. It was, it was Miss Ann and Sherry, and Jason's not here, and Ricky's in heaven, and it was those four people that set us down in that office right in there and said, not again will you take care of another family in this church until you take care of yourself. Because they watched us going down trying to help people. We have become Jesus. We were trying to be the saviors. We were trying to fix everybody. And what's happening is sometimes the enemy will take whatever it is whenever you're in the world and change your it when you get into the church and your it will become compassion. But is it God's compassion or yours? See, because your compassion keeps people enabled. Your compassion gives your son money that you know he's going to buy drugs with, but you just love him. And I understand that, but that's human compassion. Jesus will say, you need to love them from a distance, you need to pray in the Holy Ghost over them, and you need to believe me. And that's not always easy. But then something happens and things begin to break, and, and you say, oh, if I just had it to do different. You have to keep your heart with all diligence. That means you have to work hard at it. Listen, the only time that you will hear in the Bible where the word labor is used in the New Testament is when God says labor that you enter into rest. Because it's when you're in rest that you can hear his voice. It's when you're at peace that you can hear his voice. It's when you're okay with who you are. And let me just tell all of y'all something. Can I make life easy for you? You're not ever going to be perfect. You're going to miss it. It's going to be ugly sometimes. But your job is not to be Jesus. It's to be like him. That means to do everything diligent in your heart to hear what he's saying and to be like him at this moment. You're going to miss it. You're going to fail. But the, the, the problem is, is when people miss it, they stop striving for better. God didn't ask you to be perfect. He asked you to be like him. He is perfect. Amen. But you're not. You're a flawed creature and a flawed creation. You live in a world that's going to fall apart one day. But what he wants is for while everything else is falling apart around you, you're okay. You're going to make it through it. Lord Jesus, i got to get moving. I'm about 20 notes behind. Now, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, let's go to Joshua 1 and 8. You've all heard this scripture before, but let's, let's go there. Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law, or the word, shall not depart out of my mouth, which means I have it all the time. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Every day and every night I'm hearing what the Lord says or trying to. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Now, We like to laugh and have fun, amen? Especially when you got a pastor like me, you're like, oh, God. But here's the thing. We don't want to become so comfortable that we don't treat holy things in a common way. Because a holy thing is not what we think it is. A holy thing is his word, not a remembrance table. I have a carpet cleaning business, and... Uh, we, we go into different places. We go into churches, funeral homes, homes, business. We do all that. But almost every church we go into, almost especially a traditional church, 
they'll have their communion table, their in remembrance of me table in the front. And they will stress to us to be careful moving that table. Now, it's solid oak. It's not going to break. But they've made an altar out of a table. And they're not focusing on the one who is asking them to be remembered. Now, they will tell you, this church has been here 120 years, and they build an altar out of what they've built versus who's building them. We have to know what it is in our life. Is this making sense to you? Because when you walk out of here, you have to be able to recognize it. Let me tell you something. You can't be that guy, and I am. I own it. You can't be that guy that, that when you pull into Walmart, you're just like, here I am again at the zoo, you know, that kind of thing. And the truth is, I remember, now y'all laugh all you want to, but I've done that. And I've been at places where the Holy Spirit has so corrected me. Because he would say, I remember, the, I remember the, the Alan that used to ask, which one of these people can I bless today? Some of our greatest relationships are people that we've met in stores or restaurants that the Lord will say, bless them. And April will pull out. It's not a lot of money. A little money, 20 bucks here and there, 50 bucks, whatever. Or well, there was one particular time you gave a very specific amount, which was like 57-something. It was weird. And it was exactly what that person needed for a power bill. And it changed, you know what I mean? It became relational at that point. Because they didn't see us, they didn't see money. They, said, they saw that God cared. That at that moment, God would send random people in. And the thing about dealing with it is if you're focused on it, you can't be focused on being that random person that wants to change somebody's life just because you're there. Well, you know, that's awfully arrogant, Pastor. You're trying to take glory. No, no, your job is to be available. That's your job. Now, your job's not to take glory, but it is to be available. Now, what I want to say is just a couple more things, and then we're going to call it a day. Um, when we live our life focused on it, it becomes big. If you will read, now, we're not going to do this, but I want you to go into the book of Genesis, and I want you to read to the serpent. And then I want you to go into the book of Revelation, and you see where he talks about that old dragon. Who was feeding it? You were. It grew. It got bigger. It got stronger. It got more tentacles. It got more flaws, uh, uh, claws. It got opportunity in your life. It got your words. See, you are a speaking spirit saved by the blood of the Lamb, given the opportunity to speak like God spoke. And when God, listen to me now, when God is on your heart and telling you to say something, when you say it the way he says it, the spirit realms have to hear it as if it's God. The problem is, is we're so focused on us, we can't get to that place. But when you get there, oh, when you get there, people get blessed. Because it's not about you, it's about who you can help. Because here's the deal, when you put yourself, when you position yourself as that person that can change someone's life in Christ, that means God's got something on his way to you. And the truth is it's not about stuff, but it is about the blessing. And the blessing of God is not money. It, with it comes money, yes. But the blessing of God is the peace and the relationship and everything he's promised. To be able to lay your head down at night and know you're at peace with him. The creator of the universe knows who you are. People say all the time because of different connections in, in our lives that, um, man, 
Uh, we've, we've got a particular connection that, that I won't talk about, but I won't talk about who it is, but we got a particular connection. And when a couple people in our life found out what that connection was, they were like, boy, I'd be up there right now meeting in their office. I'd fly right up there today. I'd take them some books. I'd do this. And what they were trying to do was create favor with somebody who could financially bless us. But we don't care about those things. We cared about the relationship because the relationship meant more than the money. And in the relationship, not mine, but her, April was able to do some things amazing with somebody who had never experienced a ministry like this because she cared about the person, not what she could get out of the relationship. See, that is exactly how Jesus is, and the prosperity movement has been twisted. Does God care about your prosperity? Absolutely, because he don't want you broke. He don't want you struggling. But the truth is, is we've gotten so focused on prosperity that we've missed who blessed us. And that we're blessed to be a blessing. The Bible says this very clearly, that you're blessed to be a blessing throughout the whole world. That your job is to, be, to, to have enough to take care of you and to take care of some others. Not to be the guy driving the, the sports car in here and talking about, look what God did. That's not what prosperity is. Prosperity is peace. Prosperity is peace in everything. Prosperity is peace in your mind. It's peace in your money. It's peace in your body. What good is it to have $10 million in the bank if your body's falling apart? Amen? But, but flip that around. What good is it to have perfect health and you can't pay the power bill and your kids are hungry? See, God doesn't want any of that in your life. But we get caught up in it. Now, here's the thing. All of us in here have backgrounds. Now, I'm very open about mine. Most of you know my story. I was a drug addict, and I did all the things I did, ran dope, was playing music, all those different things. God set me free, and I'm thankful for that. But listen to me. Let's say two people were married, and they had a horrible marriage. They could divorce each other, but you can never divorce the encounter. That will always be with you, and it will become an it if you don't learn to overcome it. There are pains and issues and things that we have in our life that somebody somewhere has put in us. Because the end, listen... If God has to use people to bless you, the enemy has to use people to curse you. If God is limited to using people in your life, Satan is limited to using people in your life. So here's the thing. When you're married to a situation and you divorce that situation, the situation may be over, but the encounter is still there. I could live my life every day sitting in a 12-step program saying, I'm, an Al I'm Alan and I'm an addict. Or I can use that encounter and say, I'm Alan, but I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb, and he set me free. Amen. Doesn't mean I didn't struggle today. See, we got to stop this false junk. Doesn't mean I didn't struggle. Doesn't mean my mind didn't get away from me, but that's how you get your mind back. Because it's about being in him, not him in you. We have dumbed down salvation to, well, let's just ask Jesus in our heart. That's a great start. But when you live your life with just Jesus in your heart and you don't clothe yourself in him, it's about him being in you and not you being in him. And when it's you in him, he's big. But it's when him in your heart, he's small. See, you cover him in flesh and then you, uh, you got a fire policy. Praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven. Thank God for all of that. But there is a place that you can find. Where you live your life the way he's telling you to live it. You ain't perfect, but you're in the plan. And things are happening. And your children are happier because you're happier. I do not live every day of my life to please her. I don't. She didn't amen this time. I don't live my life to please Paige or Aaron or any of y'all. I love all y'all. I do. But I live my life to please him. And if I please him, I should please y'all. 
Now, if you can't be pleased with somebody pleasing God, now you got to get back to talking to it. Because it ain't on me. <laughs> well, Pastor, you just, you meddling. Hang on. It's about to get better. It. Now, let me just tell y'all something. We're talking about people getting saved and getting in church. It is worse in church. Worst hurts I've ever had been church hurt. We were in a ministry. I was an armor bearer for a great pastor, great church, great people. We had a bunch of kids. I know that shocks you. And I was on the front row, and, and we had gotten permission. for. She sat right behind me. Hannah, Hannah's in the back with the kids, but Hannah, when she was small, Hannah would not go in the nursery. Like She just refused, and she would just throw a fit if you leave her in there. She would throw her shoes at people. I mean, it was awful. And now you would bring her out in adult church. She would never cry. She'd never make noise. She would sit right there. As long as she saw her daddy, she was okay. So April had all the kids lined up like ducks in a row, sitting right there. Hannah was right there. And, and Aaron was a church baby. Everybody, she just got passed through. We didn't know where she was for three and a half hours. And somebody walked up, hey, you ready to go home? Here's your kid. That kind of thing. But Hannah was not like that. And so everybody would sit there. And this one particular person who was just having a bad day, they were in leadership. But they were having a bad day. And I didn't know this had happened. But they came up and they told April, you got to move to the back. you got too many kids to sit here. Isn't that what they said? They said it probably a little, little nicer than that, I'm sure. Yeah, y'all see that eyebrow? She's still mad about it. She got it. <laughs> but they were, they were really rude to her and moved her to the back. And uh, now this wasn't, this wasn't when I was a youth pastor. Y'all know those stories where she'd be storming out the back, be waving at me while I was on the drum set. And the keyboard player would be jamming, the keyboard player, I got you, baby, you know, that kind of thing. Wasn't that. This was hurt. And they moved her to the back row because we had too many kids. We got a whole family in church loving Jesus. Think about that. So they move her to the back. And then when it all breaks down, Another little hiccup happened, and I got set down from a volunteer position. Let me say that in a better term. I got fired from something I was volunteering to do. You ever seen the movie Friday, you got fired on your day off? That felt, I felt that way. And I'm like, I ain't even, I mean, I'm, this, I'm giving you my time. You're going to fire me? So anyway, we're sitting back there, and now y'all see me now as a pastor and all this kind of stuff. But what y'all don't know is then I never said a word. I never opened my mouth. I just took it to the G. I took it to the Lord. I said, Jesus, you got to handle this. Because I, I can't, they're not going to believe me. They'll figure it out. So we're sitting there in the next service, and it's high, man. And the worship's high, and everybody's running around. We have church, you know. And uh, April just, I mean, everybody's screaming, crying, multicultural church. I mean, just an amazing time. Everybody's, and I'm up, I'm, listen, I know God's got my back, so I'm not worried about it. I got my hands in the air, tears rolling down my face, just loving on the Lord. I look around, April's like. <laughs> kids, all the little kids standing there. Just like that. See that nod? That's, that's, the, that's the rhythm I get when I'm saying something she don't want to hear. She's like. So she got this song in her head that's like, mm, mm, Alan is an idiot. <laughs> you know, she's just like, so, so anyway, I'm so sorry. Anyway, so she, yeah, well, I, no, I'm, we stay in here all day, looks like. Uh, so, so 
finally, we're, this goes on, how long? That went on a couple weeks, didn't it? A couple of months. What is that bad? It was big. And uh, so finally one day, I never said a word to her. I never got on to her. I didn't, didn't feel like this was my place. And we're sitting there worshiping one morning. <clears throat> and I looked around, and she's standing up right next to me. And uh, she's just sobbing. And the Lord spoke to her very clearly. If I'm wrong, correct how I say it. Uh, the Lord said, do not punish me for what man has done to you. And she started crying and she repented and just stand up. And just uh, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm invited back on staff, which I really had a problem with at that time. Why do you want me back, you know? And then, uh, then they, they were like, oh, you can sit anywhere you want. See, all of a sudden things begin to change. Not because we attacked it, but we went to him. Amen. And then when she finally went to him. took her a minute. A hot minute. But she got there. And the truth is, is we set the tone at that moment in our life. To build a church. Y'all realize this church, we've been here since we started in 03 in our living room. And I can count on one hand the instances of strife we've had in this church. Because we refuse to get in the church mud. Amen. We refuse to do it. And even today I refuse to do it. There's no politics here. There's no cliques here. There's no people. The, you know who runs this church? The Holy Ghost. That's who runs this church. Because the truth is, is we're, going, we're flawed. We're going to mess up. We're going to have it. All of us are going to have it. But the truth is, is we're supposed to be, like in the first scripture we read, we're supposed to be surrounding each other and lifting each other up. Well, Pastor, what are you talking about today? I'm talking about prison break. You've got to get out of the cages that hold you. People, let, you know why people don't go to church? Y'all know, y'all ask this question all the time. You know why people don't go to church? They've already been. Same church, same junk, everywhere you go. Until you find a place where there's freedom then something changes on the inside of you. And you might not go back initially, but something begins to work at what? It was just different. See, I'm not here to try to build you up to be prosperous people. I'm not trying to build you up to be Pentecostal people. I'm not trying to build you up to be salvation people or Methodist people or whatever it is. I'm trying to build you up to be word people. Because if you get the word working, all that other stuff comes. Amen. Because his word is the final authority. Amen? Praise him. Y'all get ready. Because here's what we got to understand. Y'all can walk on by me. Come on. I ain't going to clothesline you. They so well trained, they didn't want to move with me standing here. I love that. Let me get over here. Now Ray's coming this way. John George was here the other night. He said, your team is really well trained. He said, I do notice they look at you a lot. And I'm like, they better. <laughs> they better know what I want. Uh, but anyway, this is what I want to say to you. And then we're going we're gonna to find a, a strip and land this thing. Jesus died. Not for us to have a church. Jesus died for us to have a family. Jesus did not come to be a religious figure. We've painted him and turned him into a religious figure, but he didn't come as a religious figure. He came as a legal figure. See, y'all heard me a few weeks ago on Easter talk about uh, how everything in the Bible is meant to be in a courtroom setting. See, and what is written about you in a legal document is binding. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior, no matter how bad your behavior is, you're still saved. However, let's not stop there because that's pseudo-grace. What happens is you have to begin to listen to Him and let Him work on you. Now, it's not our job to clean people up. It's our job to love people. And I have found that if you love people correctly, things in their life begin to change. April goes into the jail every week. And she leads these women to Jesus like crazy. Y'all, we're over 30 some odd people now. She's led to Jesus in a month. 
And you know what she does? She doesn't go in there and try to lay hands on everybody and have people follow in the floor or have church. You know what she does? She loves them. See, she puts her head down. She doesn't like me talking about it because she don't want any glory because it's all about Him. And when you get back to building the church on Him, not small groups, not events, those things are important, but you build it on Him. Dads, let your kids see Jesus in you. Men, if you got a girlfriend, let, 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 let people see Jesus. Ladies, let these guys see Jesus in you. Because if you please Him, you please them. And if they're not pleased by that, you don't need them. Now, you can't throw your kids away. You might have to just get them into submission. <laughs> but, but the truth is, He loves you with an undying and unfailing love. It doesn't change. The Bible says, I am the Lord and I change not. Which means when he wrote a document and put his blood on it to cover you, that document is legal and it is binding. There is no appeal. There is no other court case. As far as he's concerned, you're free. Now your job is to just try to line up to what he said.